one thing we did not identify at that time was these suppliers, they are okay with the way they operate their business. Because they are okay even if they are <laughs> late to the customer because customer would still call them because they know they are a scarce resource. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. To join me, go to myworstinvestmentever.com and sign up for my free weekly Become a Better Investor newsletter where I share how to reduce risk and create, grow, and protect your wealth. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guests, Sachi Vikramake. Sachi, are you ready to join the mission? Absolutely, Andrew. Let's do it. I want you to pronounce your name properly because I feel like I didn't say it <laughs> so great. Tell, yes. me, tell me how you say it. Yeah, the correct pronunciation would be Sachi Vikramake. Vikramake. Okay. And uh, where is that originally from? It's from Sri Lanka. Actually, I was born and raised in Sri Lanka. And that's where right. the beginning of the name is. Okay. And the reason why I asked too is because we do have similar type of names here in Thailand. And so it was just, I know that also Sri Lanka and Thailand have had a long history of relationship, particularly in Buddhism. So kind of an interesting little connection. But you're not in, in Sri Lanka now. You are in Sydney, Australia. And let me introduce you to the audience. Sachi is the co-founder, COO, and CPO of I4T Global, a disruptive field service management ecosystem. With a track record of co-founding multiple mobile first startups, Sachi has taken his apps to over 1 million active users across various platforms worldwide. And for those people who remember on episode 374 and episode 654, we had Logan Nathan, who's also involved with you at I4T Global. So maybe you can take a minute and tell us about the unique value that you are bringing to this wonderful world. Thank you, Andrew. So if I'm to put it in one line, I would say I'm an engineer by profession, entrepreneur by vocation, but most importantly, I'm a designer at heart. And this is my 18th year in the industry, specifically being IT industry, whereas I started my career back in Sri Lanka in the banking sector. Well, after a couple of years, I moved to software development industry by joining one of the largest software development companies, where I spent over a decade of my career, progressing the career ladder from being an engineer to project management to operations and starting a company within the company itself. And this is where I had the opportunity and the luxury to work with an amazing bunch of young engineers, passionate developers, where we were able to develop software products for global companies ranging from BMW Group to AT&T in US to hundreds of companies. And I was part of building and delivering more than 100 highly scalable large projects with this team. And one area that I got the real value out of this journey is to focus on the mobile revolution because the mobile revolution happened within our era. The first iPhone was launched not that far away. And I was part of this wave, riding the wave. Yeah, we, at that time, prior to this, we had technologies like J2ME, 
kind of technologies which was introduced by Nokia at that time. Then we had the BlackBerry and operating systems related to those. Then we slowly saw how things changed from the introduction of iPhone to Apple iOS to Android kind of ecosystems. I take pride in riding this mobile application wave and being able to develop large number of mobile apps, uh, hundred more to be uh, precise. And with that, I had the opportunity to even uh, win several awards for the organization as well as to myself, including the United Nations Space World Summit Awards back in 2015. And with all that as a foundation, I had the opportunity to join forces with Logan in conceptualizing and starting the I4D Global. Logan was one of my good customers back in the day, and he invited me to join with this journey from the beginning. And here we are seven years after. We have built an amazing company and a wonderful customer base, and most importantly, even a bigger family of team with us. It's interesting because I remember my conversation with him and I was saying that I am totally disappointed and most of the people I know are disappointed with their ability to, let's say, build an app, build, you know, tech solutions. They have outsourced it at times and that didn't work. They've tried to insource it and do it internally and they had trouble with that. And I'm just curious, you know, what is your what are your observations of this industry and why people get it wrong and, and what they could get right? And I, I just want to get your understanding about that before we get into the, the big question about your worst investment. Yes, Andrew. I think that's that's one of the most important questions. And this is where some people get it wrong. Because when you're an entrepreneur specifically focusing on the technology sector. And if you want a technology platform to propel your business forward, you need to get your foundations right. And outsourcing seems like a reasonable business decision or other commercial decision, but it doesn't work always. You can get lucky. Most of the time, you do not. So I think we are fortunate because of the background both Logan and myself have. And I myself goes into meticulous levels of driving organizations into processes and to making sure it's not individual dependent, rather it's process driven. We say it's PPT, it's people process technology. And how we build people to be driven by processes to produce the best technology. And if we inculcate these core values as a foundation, as part of the culture of the organization, then I think you are building a good launch pad for you to grow your business. And is it possible, I mean, obviously, people who are listening who want to develop apps and they want to bring more tech into their business, and let's say they've been burnt, they've been burnt through the outsourcing as an example. But listening to what you just said, it may also be a case that actually they don't really have clear processes. So what they're bringing to the outsourcer or what they're bringing to any mobile app developer is actually something that's not clear enough for them to really create something that does what the what the company or the CEO of the company wants. Very true, very true. And there's a slight distinct that we need to understand here because when it comes to outsourcing, in fact, I myself was heading an outsource development center, whereas I have seen the other side of the fence as well. So most of these companies, they specialize in project-based developments, meaning they 
get move from one technology project to another, and that can be from one industry to another, as well as from one technology stack to a completely different technology stack. So when you keep moving from different technology stacks to different domains, most of the time you do not build special expertise. Now, when it comes to building a startup or building a company, it's about building a product. So it's different compared to project development versus product development. And project development to product development requires completely different set of disciplines. And in the absence of being able to understand this and distinguish the differences and specifically advise and drive a team on a product development roadmap, it can lead to uh, most of the time failures or disappointing results. Mm-hmm. That's interesting where you're talking about, you know, how the outsourcers look at it from a project perspective and they may be working on many different types of technologies and all that. Whereas really what you probably are trying to do is develop a product. And that brings me to another point that, you know, we all learn from the lean startup is, you know, when you are doing product development, the best way to do it with software appears to be to bring out a minimum viable product to the market, to your potential customers, to a test group, and then develop it together with the client. Is that make sense of how to do it? I mean, again, I'm thinking about the listeners here trying to figure out how do I do this? Absolutely, Andrew. I think you highlighted the most important part. I mean, it's about today's customers are not just customers, you know, that I recently published an article about our journey with I4D Global where I quoted today's customers are not just customers. They are co-creators. They are developing content and ideas and encountering challenges right along with you. So it's in today's context, it's very important for you to have customer with you, not the customer on the other side of the fence and be with the customer and breathe in the same pattern of the customer, understand the heart rate of the customer. Then only if you can simulate you as a customer, you are able to build a product that the customer would love. Whereas in that case, you would fall in love with the product and you are an example of the customer. The great, great, great point. And I think about myself too, just like even my own community, that how do I, how do I make sure that I'm co-creating rather than just bringing stuff to my audience? So I love it. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Lovely. So I had two thoughts when you asked this question about the worst investment. So I'm going to pick on both, Andrew. So I'm going to take two specifically, one about a business decision, another regarding a technological application. So if I'm to talk about the business decision first, now I need to explain a little bit more context about I4D Global and what we do. So as you explained, we are a disruptive field service management ecosystem and we have three verticals of products within our ecosystem, namely I4D maintenance, I4D business and I4Trade is. And these three are targeted for three specific personas within the field service management industry. So I4T maintenance is targeted for authorized service agents. What we mean by authorized service agents are large organizations like real estate groups, like strata or facilities management, or like retail hotel groups who manages properties on behalf of their owners. Then our I4T business product is designed for field service suppliers. And field service suppliers are mostly trades organizations. These are the electrical companies, plumbing companies, 
HVAC companies who have the ability to and the skill set to fix some of these asset property asset revolving problems. Then the third product vertical is our I for Trades, which is our end user product. We have designed specifically for the property occupants, meaning the people who live in this particular property. It can be a tenant or a landlord. So how our ecosystem works is, if I'm to take you as an example, Andrew, imagine you are living in a high-rise building and something's wrong with your hot water system. You need to get this fixed. And you are the person with the problem. You're the property occupant. And the person who can fix the problem mm. is the field service supplier, this particular plumber. But if you are renting this property, for example's sake, you cannot just call any plumber. You need to go through your property management company, your real estate, because they do have their preferred suppliers. So your authorized service agent is your designated property manager in that case. So you are the one with the problem. Your plumber is the one who can solve the problem. But the one who manages the relationship between you and the plumber is your property manager. So I4T ecosystem caters to all three parties interconnecting and creating a beautiful synergy with our ecosystem. Now, if I'm to explain the real mm. lesson... It, it, the, it made, I kind of laughed about it. I was just kind of laughing about it because in Thailand, mm -hmm. we live in, you know, I live in a small apartment and the owner of the apartment lives right across the street and they have a guy that lives in the apartment that fixes all the plumbing. So that, that's like the most simplest thing. But what you're dealing with is a much more complex system where those, you know, the parts are broken down, as you said, and it's a much bigger project. So yeah, continue on. Absolutely. But before arriving at this level of clarity as what we have today, I need to take you back in time as to how we started I4D Global and what is our initial business model. So as Logan clearly mentioned to me when he was pitching this idea, when he wanted me on board as his co-founder, he was telling me about this. He used the word tradies because in Australia, we use the word term tradies, which is actually a little bit unheard of outside of Australia. So we neutralize this word tradies as field service suppliers. So these are the technicians. These are your plumbers, electricians, your cleaners, your carpenters, likewise. So Logan's vision was, he clearly identified this bunch of people are highly skilled, but they are the least organized and they are not tech savvy. So due to this field service supply, the trade is being less organized and non-tech savvy. It creates problems in the eye of the consumer. So if I had to take an example, you might be requesting for an electrician to come and fix your hot water system. And he might say, I'll be there at 10 in the morning and you keep waiting. And he would turn up around 2.30 in the afternoon, wasting several hours of your day. Well, you're helpless because you, you are looking forward to his specialized service. So this time wastage is identified by Logan as a big problem. And he believed that there is an opportunity for us to fix this problem, to create value to these consumers. So if I'm to focus on the mistake we did, we looked at the problem and we identified the problem which is encountered by the consumer but we tried to fix the person who's not encountering the problem. We tried to fix the supplier. We tried to give a product to the supplier, sell a product to the supplier, so he uses a better technology platform, providing better visibility to the consumer, whereas consumer gets the benefit. But one thing we did not identify at that time was these suppliers, they are okay 
with the way they operate their business because they are okay even if they are <laughs> late to the customer because customer would still call them because they know they are a scarce resource right so we were trying to fix the problem of the customer by introducing platform to both customer as well as the supplier it's like a uber kind of a platform so as a tenant you would see the trady on your map the supplier and you can even see him coming on the map real time so you would not be having any of the time wastage but the system adaptation greatly failed at the supplier's end andrew because for them this pain was not sizable enough because at that stage of the company we focus only on the consumer and the supplier so this is the tenant to plumber equation so what we learned out of this is even though we tried to fix this problem which is a genuine problem it becomes a chicken and an egg now we cannot just promote the app to the consumer saying download this app search for your favorite rather most qualified field service supplier on the app because you need to have the critical mass of supplies on the app otherwise you download an app and you figure out there's no one in your area so that would hit a dead end but for us to have that critical mass of suppliers when we try to promote this product to the suppliers their question is am i going to get more jobs with this do you already have a large number of customers who would give me more jobs so this created this which should come first argument and that did not have the strongest value proposition for suppliers to be on board in this platform because for them it's a change and they are they are not the most technology literate people and they do not believe in this change as well because for them life goes on fine now as a lesson learned what we did was we went back to the drawing board and we were asking the question from ourselves again to figure out the problem really do exists but how do we fix this and that is where we looked at the authorized service agents at the intermediary because if you are a tenant if there's someone who can fix your problem and these two parties have a question of who should start first should the suppliers be on the platform first or suppliers are questioning am i going to get more jobs if i'm being on the platform the real answer is we need to figure out the one with the problem at scale so the one with the problem at scale is not just the tenant who has a large number of tenants raising the same problem and that is the real estate organization that is your property manager and that's your strata that's your facilities management organization so when you look at this third vertical of authorized service agents these are the people who has the problem but they have a problem at a greater scale so since their problem is such a gigantic problem they have the power of authority to a certain extent dictate to the supplier saying if you are to get jobs from our company you have to be on this platform and that caters to the initial problem that we had because for the suppliers now it's mandated to them if you are not on this platform you cannot get more jobs so that makes it compulsory for them to be on the platform well the platform itself is highly beneficial to them but at the beginning they did not have a need to be on that platform because they were fine with it now all of a sudden there is now uh, influence coming from high authority which is the authorized service agents and this influence could cater to tenants being able to access supplies via the mobile app and supplies being able to 
get more jobs via the authorized service agents. And that's where we introduced the third vertical of IFRT maintenance to the ecosystem, creating the current trifactor product suite that we have, IFRT maintenance, IFRT business, and IFRT ladies, focusing on authorized service agents, service suppliers, and property occupants. So this I would like to highlight as one of the business lessons we learned, and I would like to elaborate a bit more about it. Mm. Just before, maybe I'll just give a my thought on this. I mean, I think whenever you're creating a marketplace, you face this challenge, right? Ultimately, you got to get both sides of the transaction on. But this was an interesting one where you say focus on the one with the problem at scale. And ultimately, by focusing on the wrong person initially, let's say the tradies, as an example, it's hard to make traction. And you may think that your idea doesn't actually, it may not work, but then you realize, oh, wait a minute, I need to focus on another person or another function within this supply chain. So I mean, that's, that's a very good lesson. Is there, is there other lessons that you'd like to share from that? Definitely, Andrew. Now, this is from a, that's what I mentioned about the two lessons that I like to highlight. So this is from a business point of view. But the one that is most interesting is the next one. That's the technology-specific problem. So this, I need to take you back to 2020, where we faced the uh, sudden pandemic of COVID back in, it was March of 2020 to be precise. So our business was growing very well as expected. And all of a sudden, we all faced this COVID-19, which was not anticipated by any of us. And we did not know what to do with this. So the first thing that was visible to us was our revenue went down by 80%. And that was an absolute hit in the guts. Because we as a startup trying to grow faster, 80% hit on your top line is devastating. So we had to rediscover what we do. We had to ask ourselves, how are we to continue to add value while everyone in the world is going through this uncertainty? Because not only you are uncertain, the suppliers to authorized service agents, to tenants, to occupants, everyone is going through this uncertainty. But one thing that is sure is these problems do not end. People still have broken hot water system. People still have broken air conditioning units. They still have problems with their electrical systems. And these field service suppliers, the tradies, they need to operate. They need to put bread on the table. They have to work. And large organizations like real estates to strata to facilities management organizations, they had to conduct the operations as well. So what we did was rather than trying to aggressively promote our product and asking more people to download our app, sign up and start using, even going beyond these real estate ecosystem, going to the moms and dads, you know, the end users who are not even part of real estate, asking them to download the app and sign up the app. We wanted to go a little bit backwards in technology because what we felt was at times of uncertainty like COVID-19, people are very conscious of everything they do. If we start promoting another application on either digital mediums to any other medium, and if they come across, let's think about an elderly couple at home, they have something wrong with their electrical wiring at home. They can't wait till the pandemic finishes for this to be fixed. They have to get it fixed. But if we promote, asking them to download an app, sign up, 
put your details followed by multiple steps, they're not going to do that because they are in a state of panic because technology is uncertainty for them and they are not familiar with technology. So we wanted to go back in technology hierarchy and bring a solution that is closer to them. So rather than asking people to download a new app, sign up and create accounts, we went back to the roots. So the question we asked, what is the least complicated, most comfortable piece of technology people use at scale? And our answer was SMSs, short message services. I mean, irrespective of whether you use a smartphone or a feature phone, you still use SMS. So we wanted to introduce our solution not as a highly advanced algorithm from what it is to the next version. Rather, we want to take it back the technology ladder. So we introduce a new initiative by the name Emergency Response Center. And this Emergency Response Center is an SMS hotline. So what we did was we took away the technology barrier. We opened our solution to anyone. It doesn't need to be someone with a smartphone. It can be anyone with a mobile phone, which can send an SMS. So we created this emergency response center and our promotion campaign highlighted about only two things. Send an SMS to this particular hotline. It's a rememberable short code. And the message should contain only two things. Your problem is your problem to do with plumbing, electrical or cleaning or something else. And what is your postal code? So for example, Andrew, I can say, my postal code is 2000, I'm in Sydney, and I have a problem with plumbing. And that's the only message I had to send on the SMS. And when this SMS comes to the emergency response center, it actually, it's a dashboard. It clearly shows in this particular suburb, this particular service is in need. And we have a database of supplies in our platform. So it automatically cross-matches these supplies and we broadcast this message to the suppliers pool. Because these suppliers, even though we are in a pandemic, they are so desperate to get more jobs because they had to live. They had to put, put food on the table. And because suppliers are given emergency services authority, so they, even during a lockdown, they are still authorized to work. So these people are so desperate for work and the end users are so desperate to fix their problems. So using this SMS-based emergency response center, it automatically matches suppliers and it is a broadcasting of these new leads where people who use our I4T business platform as well as people who do not use I4T business platform gets this message. So we opened up this ecosystem to people who are on our database as well as anyone who has an expression of interest, even though they are not an existing customer of ours. And this became wow. an absolute hit. And that and was one of the best lessons that we have learned. It's, as a technology company, we're sometimes talking about what is the latest algorithm we can bring in, how much of an AI, VR, AR, and machine learning technologies we can introduce. And this is an example of us going backwards and making an immense success. And this resulted in us coming through COVID with quadrupling our revenue. That's... Uh... I mean, my main takeaway from that is sometimes you have to go take a step back to take a step forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a perfect example yep. where we took a step back in technology, mm -hmm. but it helped us to scale on both fronts, Andrew. It helps us to get a greater customer mm -hmm. base 
and it helped us to gain a larger number of supplier base. And both parties are happy. Yep, fantastic. Let me ask you, what's a what's a resource of either your own your own companies, your own, or any other resource that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Rather than saying resource, I would like to encourage a way of thinking. It's the essence of this lesson that we have learned so far. It's about now there are different ways to center your business. You know, it can be a customer centricity or it can be a product centricity or it can be competitor centricity, right? Now, as a product company, we went through this journey and we tried to build a product to cater to an audience and we learned these lessons. But one of the most important things is you need to wait for the moment of intent. Once the moment of intent arises, people are ready to make those changes. People are ready to sign up to an Mm. application. They are ready to download an app and they are ready to send an SMS. But if you try to force this by incorrectly identifying the moment of intent, it becomes a disturbance and they do not want to do that because they they do not have a need at that time. So we need to be very specific and understand meticulously the moment of intent for each of the segments of your customer base. Mm, Great, great idea. And I would say it's kind of like this saying of strike while the iron is hot. Strike when the intent is there. And that also is a challenge to the listeners. You need to be aware also of what's going on with your customers, with your potential customers, with the whole situation. Otherwise, you may not you you may miss that opportunity. All right, last question. What is your number one goal for the next 12 months? The number one goal for the next 12 months, Andrew, is now looking at our current journey of IFD Global. We are expanding beyond Australia to Europe as well as to US. It's actually to stay true to our purpose. Because when you try to scale, problems are not linear. Problems are exponential. And the problems you cannot even foresee what kind of challenges you would face. So these are times that's going to test you, that's going to check your integrity. So you need to stay true to your purpose and define and be specific and be disciplined to your non-negotiables. Now, when I, what I mean by non-negotiables, in fact, I would like to explain this as well. My life is run by four core values. It's about quality, accountability, personal growth and discipline. And these four core values are non-negotiables to me. And similarly, our businesses have core values. And at times of challenge, we must stay true to our core values because that's what defines who you are, especially as an organization trying to scale and make a greater impact to the world. So if you stay true to your cause and you can be an example for the rest of the entrepreneurs and the next generation. Great. Well, Listeners, there you have it, another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. If not, you join that mission, myworldinvestmentever.com and join my free weekly Become a Better Investor newsletter to reduce risk in your life. As we conclude, Satya, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of A. Stotts Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Stay true to your purpose and that will define who you are and who you inspire. Fantastic. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow and protect our well fellow risk takers. Let's celebrate that today 
We added one more person to our mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott saying, I'll see you on the upside.